0: Welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 88, for Saturday, the 17th of February, 2018. And I can't think ever of having recorded a diary where things were so up against the wire as they are today. I've just finished recording my crypto podcast with Alison Ingleby and it's quite late in the day on a Friday for me to be doing my podcast diary. This diary gets released at 5am on a Saturday morning and then the other crypto podcast goes at 10am on a Saturday morning. And wait for it, you'll be very surprised to hear that the writing didn't get done today. Either. So it's been all shuffle at the Teague household this week, and let me explain to you why. So I came down with another cold at the weekend. So it was only a cold, it wasn't, you know, flu or anything like that, but it was, you know, streaming nose, all clogged up, you know what it's like when you've got things, and you, you don't, it's it's fine, you're fine to be at work and everything like that, but it's just a pain, and it um, it, it inhibits your performance in day-to-day life, and you can probably still hear it in my voice now, uh, and uh, I'm still very nasally now, so um, I can't remember when that struck, at the weekend I think, no it can't. it must have struck on Sunday, because I got 5,169 words done on last Saturday Um, so the the writing got done so I suspect I woke up with it on the Sunday actually and I I haven't got a clue where it came from no one in the house has got a cold I haven't seen anybody with a cold so I don't know where it came from but anyhow I woke up full of cold on Sunday and so mindful that I would got quite a busy week in the week ahead I I took it a little bit easier uh, on the Sunday and then I had two days of work now this week I travelled down to Peterborough. So I I did a day's work on Tuesday, caught a train at 5.30 from Carlisle, uh, arrived in Peterborough at about 11 o'clock at night, uh, checked into my Premier Inn, (laughs) realised that I'd forgotten my toothbrush. And I knew knew because I'd been to this training centre at Peterborough several times before, I knew there was a Tesco at the back and thought it was big enough to be an all-nighter. So at about 11.30 at night... Um, I went down, first of all, to the machine, because they usually have toothbrushes and toothpaste in the machine. machine was broken. I need to just qualify that. So then I thought, okay, let's try the Tesco. So I went out into the dark, across a path, up a very muddy hill, which was the shortcut to Tesco, right across the biggest Tesco car park in the world, and then finally managed to get um, my toothbrush and toothpaste um, from this all-night Tesco, and finally got to bed at midnight on the Tuesday night. I was up and out. In the morning for this crypto course that I was doing in Peterborough. Uh, it finished at 536 o'clock. Couldn't get back to, uh, Carlisle at that time of night, um, on, on the train. So I slept overnight and then I was, uh, on the Thursday morning, I was sort of back home by about two o'clock on the Thursday. So the thing that I hadn't anticipated at all was how far behind that was going to put me. So I, I was due to be recording the crypto podcast that evening. Um, I wanted to report back from the conference. It was, if you think it was just like doing 20 books again, there was a lot to, s- to share on a podcast. And um, I just hadn't got the time to do it by the time I was home, caught up with the family, you know, got unpacked, all of these sorts of things. So um, Alison kindly rearranged the podcast recording, which we've just done. And I thought, do you know there's no way I am going to be able to write tomorrow this is a long way around of telling you this because as you know as you'll know if you've listened to these diaries any length of time I'm quite a routinized writer I'm not the kind of person who can pick up a laptop do 100 words uh, you watch a bit of telly then do another 50 words I can't do that I have to create time for it I have to get the right run up to it uh, and then I can be very productive in that time but I'm not good out of routine at all so what I did last night, when Alison uh, kindly agreed to let let me shuffle the diary, um, was I, I did a massive diary shuffle. Now, you'll know that over the last couple of weeks, I have overwritten on Who to Trust, my thriller. So I'm currently up to 40,000 words of a 50,000-word novel of Who to Trust. I've overwritten by 5,000 words over the past couple of weeks. So when I was recording this diary last week, I was there saying to you, I'll be finished. Well, I would have been finished tomorrow, the 17th of February. Um, and I was—I don't actually need to be finished until the seventeenth of March, so I was way ahead on my schedule for who to trust. And uh, these are the the sorts of times where when I'm really uh, up against it. So as I say, I've been slowed down all this week because it's blasted cold and, and not sort of working at a hundred percent. And then I had this all this time away in the middle of it, um, and and. When you're under pressure, I think, as a time management thing, uh, and if I'm sort of feeling under pressure, I just say to myself, what must be done? What must be done? So the two things that had to be done were this podcast, because it's out on Saturday morning, and the crypto podcast. So I shuffled everything around to accommodate the two things that must be done, because nothing else has, has to be done. Um, So what I've done is I've I've rejiggled things. And to be honest with you, this week's been so up in the air, I'm not going to write this week. And I'm going to buy myself back the time that I invested a couple of weeks ago by writing over. The other reason for it is I've simply, frankly, had no inclination because I'm struggling to stay awake. You know, Frankly, all I wanted to do is go to sleep most of the time this week. Um, So I haven't done the planning that I need to do. I am not ready to write the end of that book yet so I need to factor in some planning time just no time to do that this week so what I've decided to do is um, Helen Fazal got phase six back to me so she's done her edit of it now so what I've decided to do on Saturday and Sunday I will work up to chapter uh, seven I might even get the whole thing done if, if I'm really firing on all cylinders again but I'll certainly get to chapter seven of phase six this will be my final read of it prior to publication and I won't write this week and then I'm actually not going to write next week either because the other thing is I'm, I'm doing a corporate training on Thursday uh, and I could write, I certainly could write on the Friday, I still might write on the Friday, but I'm probably not going to f- uh, for the reasons I'll tell you. So what I'm going to do what I'm planning to do next Friday rather than right now is to finish off phase six. Phase six will then be ready for me to put on, well, I can frankly, I'll be able to release it there, but I won't because Helen always gives it just that final read. So I'll probably put it on pre-release next Friday, the 23rd of February, and it will be ready to release um, by the 23rd of March. So um, that'll be phase six done. So what I'm doing is I'm going to use those units of time productively. I'm just going to shuffle the deck chairs basically and just do it in a different order. I think what I'm then going to do over next weekend is I'm going to work through my what would be my first draft of Who to Trust, so I'll do that on the Saturday and the Sunday, and that will work me up to where I am in the book, and it will refresh my memory of the book. And then the week after that, um, I've got a week where I'm not doing any training. I've got the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. My wife's working on the Saturday. So that's a really good week for me to write because I'm fresh. I haven't done a corporate training. I'm not going to be worn out from that. I'm going to be really fresh for, for, the, from the, for the writing. And I've also had loads of time to do the final plotting of those chapters. So when I looked at it on paper, I thought, you know what? This book's going to get written in plenty of time still. It's still going to be ready two weeks ahead. Um, I'm going to be much more in a state of mind to do the writing I get to be much more on top of the of the plot so that I can pull it all together in those final chapters so when I hit those final chapters I'm gonna know exactly what I'm gonna write and they are important those final chapters uh, and to me that just works far better for me personally um, bearing in mind the other things that I've got coming up in the week like the corporate training and things like that so you know I have to admit it's a sign of age but when I do a corporate training you know I, I hopefully I put a reasonable amount of energy into the da pretty tired out by the end of it so frankly a day after that it'll be nice to have you know bearing in mind I'm pretty well working seven days a week uh, you do have to pace yourself with those days uh, you can't work full out every day of those those weeks so I, I just decided do you want that in terms of flow and, and energy and, and coming to it as fresh as I need to be this is a much better way of doing it and, and, and so this is what I said about rearranging the deck chairs the same work will get done just in a different order. So phase six is going to be ready to release on March 23rd. That was always the date I was going to release it. Um, It'll be actually ready a month before it goes live. So it gives me that month for Helen to have a final read of it, me to play around and perfect the, the blurb and all those sorts of things. But I can have it on sale from next week. It gives me time to just come up with who to trust and just go through those chapters and just make sure they're right and then write the final uh, um, two chapters of that book and finish off the book. Um, and it's all going to be ready, uh, on time because then, uh, uh, we go into a phase where, uh, I got another event coming up. Uh, I'm then going to do a, uh, I'm going to leave who to trust for a couple of weeks. And then I've scheduled three days for me to give it a really sort of, uh, thorough second edit. And then I'm off to, on my holiday um, to Scotland. So all my and, and the, the holiday in Scotland is the point at which everything has to be done uh, and dusted and sorted. Um, so that just felt right to me when 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 I was sort of feeling a little bit under pressure with time. I just this is why I love to schedule. I've got my quarterly targets on the board to my left. Things are getting ticked off there, left, right, and centre everything's going to get done by the end of March. I'm very happy with that. It's all scheduled now. I've got my weekly planners where I can shuffle things around very easily. It's all going to get done. So um, this is why I would urge you in terms of your time management to, to plan stuff. Um, the other thing that happened is I had a, a podcast to record on Monday, Um when, when, frankly, what I wanted to do was sit down and watch the telly because I was full of cold. Um, so I had that to do on on the Monday night. And then also I've had a podcast recording, which I'm very happy about, but um, because I did make the date available, but I, I somebody booked a podcast on Sunday night at very short notice. So I've got to prep that as well. So it's basically like juggling and somebody keeps throwing an extra ball in. So um, as I say, bottom line is everything will get done. Everything will be done on time. And that feels like it's just better for me because you've got to cut yourself some slack with this. You know, when you're writing books and you're being creative, you have to come to it in a frame of mind where you're you're ready um, to do it. You know, you're awake, alert, and keen. And I just didn't feel I would be in the right state of mind to do writing over this weekend. So I'm cutting myself some slack. Um, you know, reading phase six will be fairly straightforward because Helen's been through it. I'm only making tiny little changes, It's uh, good for me to get up to speed, um, you know, kind of feel fully well for the week ahead. Bearing in mind, I got three days work, and then a corporate training, and then three days of my author work to follow. That you know, so like I'm not doing everything every day of the week. Um, And um, you've got to watch those paces. You know, got to make sure that you're you're fit to do all of this. And sometimes I would just urge you to shuffle the work around. If you're, I mean, a lot of people are poorly with colds and things at the moment. Shuffle the work around sometimes to make it suit you better. It all still gets done. And why I love planning is it stops me panicking because when I can see it on a whiteboard, when I can see it on my sheets, I know it's still going to get done. It doesn't make me have one of those, you know, crazy sort of panic attack things. We think, oh, everything's going to pot. I can't do it. That's why I love to plan. Okay, so just to to reiterate, I did get 5,169 words done last week, and that took me up to, well, the actual word count is 42,000 words, but in my mind, it's 40,000 words, because I write just over 5,000 words at a session. So I've got another 10,000 words to write. So we'll finish probably at about 50, looks like we're going to finish about 53, 54,000 words with this novel. So, um, I'm not going to talk to you about the crypto course, but that's just another part of my life, something else that I did, but it was brilliant. I had a really, really good time at that. It was like the crypto equivalent of 20 books. So those of you who went to 20 books and had a great time, you could imagine how, you know, how, how brilliant that was midweek. So thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I was, um, pleased to see phase six come back, came back early because it wasn't due. I don't think it was due till next week. So that's great that Helen got that and, and that, what that's enabled me to do because it came in early was to shuffle the diary so I could use my sort of productive days productively but on something that I hadn't thought would be ready so that's really done me a favor this week um lovely feedback from Helen I think Helen prefers the uh the sci-fi books to the thrillers I think that's just more her thing uh but she's some nice points that she put in her email there she says it's a brilliant concept great story links really well with the grid and the secret bunker which poor old (laughs) Helen I don't know I think i worked out she's she's edited something like over a half a million words of mine or something like that so she deserves a medal um but she's she's done the, the grid and the secret bunker so she knows those stories and actually it was the grid that first not the grid was it The Grid? I think it was The Grid that, or The Secret Bugger that first appealed to her. She heard me doing a talk and she thought, oh, I really fancy that. I'll, I'll come and say hello and, and sort of offer to do a sample edit. That's, that's how we've done 15 books together now, 14 books together, something like that. So um, she likes the character development. Does so she really care about what happens to them? Loads of credible characters. Uh, strong female character. I always like that. I, I try and write really strong female characters. So um, she's, she's talked about that. And... Um, Lots of shade of grey in there, which we like in a good dystopian thriller. And um, she likes, um, she says, it's really good sci-fi because it's as much about the present as the future. So there's all sorts of links to the modern world. You know, worries about the future, global pandemics, politicians eroding democracy, police states you know, walls being built, all this sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I value uh, Helen's opinion. She's she's read everything, for goodness sake. You know, she knows my writing, waltz and all. But I was, um, it's very heartening when you get a, a sort of a, an email back like that. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's great getting that. But then, of course, you get all the red and the edits that you've got to change. And that's a bit I've got to do next. But, you know, this is why it's worth having an editor because I really value Helen's um, input uh, in the books. And I think you know the other thing about that is 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 that you do. My wife reads them and gives me initial input, but you really need that kind of you know professional trained eye on this, and I really value what Helen gives me with the books and the changes that she suggests. So, not a lot of writing to be done then uh, this week or next week, uh, but there will be some done the week after. That's when I should finish that book. Um So that's I think hopefully uh, this is why I like to record this diary because I want you to know. That it doesn't all go according to plan. And sometimes I, I know I'm very high, highly super planned, um, but I'm also flexible within that planning. And the thing that always, I've done this since I've done A-level, somewhere in the loft, I don't know where it is, somewhere in the loft, I've always been this way. My A-levels were planned like a military operation from probably January outwards. I knew how much of each book I had to read. A uh, little Dorrit I read over eight nights. I got it carved up and I used to set myself targets. And it was the only way I could ever do something. It's the only way I can manage large amounts of work is to is to work out what the deadline is, to build in buffers to work it backwards and then to know when I need to start so I and, and that way I, I know that all i got to do is turn up at the appointed times I know there's flexibility within there I always build in buffers for you know being ill for things going wrong for things coming up at the last minute so there's always buffers in there as well I don't run it tight all the time uh, there's always flexibility always always flexibility in that planning um, so that Days like today can happen, um, uh, but I, I always find it reassuring because I know I'm going to hit the deadline. I just got to turn up on time. That's all I got to do: turn up, do the work, and I turn up. Uh, you know, the work gets done and the deadlines get hit. So, that's writing news. Um, lots of other bits and pieces. I knew after 20 books last week. I knew I was going to forget somebody. And um, so I want to apologise to Jeff Smith, who was delighted. I was really happy to meet you, Jeff, because we've again, Jeff Jeff is the gentleman who did the hilarious tweet about listening to me or being with me in the bath. (laughs) If you, if you remember that one. So he was listening to the podcast in the bath. It was a great tweet. It was very funny. And um, I've been in in contact with, with Jeff, you know, through Twitter and he's a supporter of the podcast and a, a very valued listener. And, um, and I was Jeff, I don't, some people don't like to be in photos. I, I ask people before they're in photos and some people don't like to be in there. And because Jeff wasn't on the photos, he didn't go in the list. I was going through the photos, getting everybody off and Jeff wasn't on one. Uh, so you missed me, Jeff, or you didn't want to be on one. I can't remember which one it was now. So I do apologise. I do specifically want to mention you because I you know, really value your input and your support of the podcast. So it was great to meet you at uh, 20 Books. I'm so sorry that I missed you out. The great long cast list that I went through. Like the, the It was like the... the the cast list of Ben-Hur last week. So apologies for that. Um, I've mentioned Sarah Hardy before. Sarah has, uh, she read Don't Tell Meg. And Sarah is a a thriller book blogger. And she's been doing it for ages. And she also uh, does sort of book promotion for Bloodhound Books. And if you listen to this diary, you'll know where Bloodhound Books are on my agenda. I'm very interested in getting a book published with them. And so I was really pleased when Sarah, I think she got Don't Tell Meg, it must've been on the offer. And she, because she's a thriller writer, she she got it and because we're connected on Facebook. And we have become, not Facebook, Twitter, we become connected on Twitter because Sarah knows people like Graham Smith. And obviously she she'd seen me tweeting all the, bloodhound authors and that's how we got connected so when she saw one of my thrillers up for grabs she'd got it and read it and she, she liked don't tell megan she did a really good review for me and write up and then she tweeted that out, and i was astonished at how many people retweeted that It was amazing and then a couple of weeks ago she tweeted that she'd got she'd picked up um i can't even remember the titles of my own books the forgotten children of the murder place Uh, because they were on a a promo, and she was going to finish off the trilogy. And she's obviously got into it, because she did the same with the review when I was at 20 Books, and that was only... When was that last week, two weeks ago? And I was astonished at the number of people who retweeted her her review. And then she's just done it again this week, and, and like there are so many people to thank for retweeting. I haven't got around to it. I'm just tracing my tail at the moment, trying to catch up with everything. And so she's tweeted this. I think it was Wednesday, and loads and loads of people um, just you know retweeting people who support her and fellow book bloggers. And um, she gave the last book. I think she'd given the first two uh, four stars on Goodreads. She's given the last book five stars. She's really really thought that the last book was, uh, the best, which is, which is great, I suppose. Um, but she really enjoyed it. Uh, and so I'm very grateful for the support, obviously, but uh, also amazed at the, um, really just amazed at, at what book bloggers could do and the power they have. And I, I've been mentioning this for quite a while now, book blogging is something that wasn't on my radar, but it really has to be. And I think particularly with thrillers now, these people have so much uh, influence. So, um, Completely coincidentally to this, when when Sarah did the review when I was at twenty books, I got in touch with her and said I'd really like to do an interview with you because this is just astonishing what you're able to do with these posts. But I'd also like to talk to you as kind of somebody with a professional hat on and as a as a reader as well. So Sarah's actually going to be my interview guest on Sunday anyway. We're doing an interview podcast, so um, it, all these things have sort of come together at, at, the, at the right time. Um, so. Um, Sarah as a book blogger will be on in a couple of weeks time. And, uh, I'm just really pleased with the feedback uh, that I got. I mean, she, she sort of, say, gave it a a five star. She said it's really a case of saving the best till last. She'd enjoyed the previous books, but this was her favorite. Um, there's some pretty um, tricky topics in the book. And I was really, I was really pleased that she uh, commented in her review that I'd handled those sort of delicately. Um, and not sort of gratuitously in any way at all. So I was really pleased about um, her sort of feedback about the handling of tricky tricky topics. And then something I'm really pleased about is when people read Don't Tell Meg, um, they say, uh, the, the main character, they say, oh, you know, Pete's not a particularly um, sort of likable character. Uh, and he's not at first. You know, he's a highly flawed character. But over the trilogy, what I hope happens is that bit by bit, you know, you kind of sympathise with him. You see why he is where he is. And then you see his change uh, over the the trilogy. And at the end of the book, I hope you you should like him. You should should really like the guy. He's not an unlikable guy. He's just a flawed guy. And so, um, you know, Sarah said in her review... Pete's a character who's grown on me with each passing read, so much so that I'm a little sad to be seeing the last of him. Hopefully, Pete's adventures won't stop there, as trouble seems to have a habit of following him. So again, you know, all the, the the sort of buttons that Sarah pressed in that review for me as an author just just delight me, and and it's just a really good example of when you find readers who 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 just get your work. You know, these are the readers that you want more of. I need more Sarah Hardys reading my books because, um, you know, she really gets the work. And and this is the secret for us as authors. We need to find people who who, who like it, who, who love it. Not everybody's going to like it and love it, but we need to find the ones who do and who want to repeat that experience. And so, you know, in my next four thrillers, you can, you know, you repeat the Don't Tell Meg experience. It's, it's when I say it's more of the same, it's more of the same experience. It's definitely not more of the same plot, it's a completely different plot, but it is more of the same experience. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to Sarah. The other thing I said to Sarah, actually, I just sent her a message via Twitter the other day and said, um, as you've just read the books and they're fresh in your mind, would you contribute to my two-year anniversary episode and just ask me some questions as a reader? Because most of the people who are are contributing to that are actually authors. So they're asking me questions as a self-publisher. It'd be really great to have a, a reader on to ask me questions about the books, about why I did this and settings and things like that. So um, Sarah's agreed to do that. So I'm really looking forward to that two-year anniversary uh, episode. I think it's going to be quite um, you know, interesting, a really good range of questions. And just a date for your diary, it's going to be the 4th of April that that runs. I've got a few more people. I've got Meg Cowley, who I managed to rebook this week. She's just going to squeeze in there in the nick of time to do her questions. And John Cronshaw's going to do his questions. And I'm also going to get Graham Smith and Sarah Hardy to do some questions. So I think that's going to be quite an interesting hour where, effectively, I'm interviewed by six other people. It's coming together really well. Uh, Rachel, who's done it so far, and Alison have done a really good job of it. I've really found it interesting uh, answering the questions. When I was on the train, and this is why you need to get out. You know, this is why you need to go out and meet people and take the air. I got a great new idea for a project for my project Bloodhound on the train. not going to tell you what it is um, because you'll you know it might get knocked down before it flies. I've got to do my own kind of research, make sure it's fine to go, things like that. But uh, when I was sitting on the train, I had one of those moments that you you kind of live for as an author where I saw the idea and I thought, yep, got this, this has got legs, this is great. This is just what I was looking for as a project Bloodhound idea. Great concept for a thriller Um, so I took a photograph of the thing that prompted me Uh, I've opened up a Scrivener file it even has a title it's not going to be the real title it's going to be the working title I need to come up with a better title and I have a novel factory file as well where I put this photograph in so um, I have a strong idea for Project Bloodhound which I'm really keen about now that might not be the idea that gets written but it's certainly strong enough to be the idea that gets written. I, I you know, I, I feel it in my bones. It's, it's got legs. I just knew it when I saw it. That's got legs as a, as a story idea. It's beautiful. As a story, as a thriller idea. It's a great concept. I just need to make sure nobody's done it yet. Because if they haven't, I can't believe they haven't. It's brilliant. Uh, even if I do say so, is this the concept's great. The book might not be by the time I've written it. But the concept is. And uh, um, I know I can work that into a great plot. And this Project Bloodhound book is going to be a 90,000 word book. So, um, I know I can make a 90,000 out of it too. So I've got enough to go out with it. So, um, yeah, I, I was really happy about that because I was beginning to, to fret a little bit, sort of thinking, hang on, you know, I got phase six to get out. I got who to trust and then I need to start writing this Project Bloodhound book. It's going to be really tight. Um, it will get done, but it's, it's, I've got 90,000 words to write. When do I start writing it? Uh, I start writing on the twelfth of April, and I have to have ninety thousand words done by when is it? Well, at the very latest, the twenty-second of July. How long is that? April, May, June—is that three four, three months? Three months. Yeah, that's enough for ninety thousand words. I'll get ninety thousand words done then. So it is all planned. But, um, it, you know, it is, it's is—it's super planned, all of this. And, and I think what I was most worried about was the gap between finishing Who to Trust and having to start writing Project Bloodhound because it's a 90,000-worder. It's got to have legs to be 90,000 words. And I've been writing at 50,000 words, remember, for the last four books. So one of the things I have done on my my sort of diary planner is to make sure that I have plenty of thinking time and planning time for this book and um, when I was scheduling that time of course I hadn't got an idea so it's really pleasing for me to know this far out uh, where are we I'm always two months away from having to start writing that book this far out to have a strong idea that I know has got legs and to have all that time for it to gestate and to think it through and to develop it. it's really I feel really positive about that for Project Bloodhound it's a good it's a good, good place to be in. Um, I, I forgot this actually. Um, I was on a podcast this week, Hawk and Cleaver. Uh, this is Dan Wilcox and the guys. Now, uh, Hawk and Cleaver are a story studio in the UK. You've heard me talk about them before. Great to meet Dan at 20 Books. So, you know, really great when you meet people. And Dan actually lives. Uh, in the same county that my mum lives. So I'm hoping to sort of, I said to him, when well, I'm over in Lincolnshire, I'll nip into Lincoln and take you out for lunch. You know, we can meet up when we're there. So it's great to have all these people around the country that you can meet up with, you know, author friends that you can meet up with while you're traveling. Anyhow, Hawk and Cleaver podcast. Uh, I did that interview with the guys. Uh, it's the first time, I think it's the first time. I listen to their podcast, and I really like those guys. They're they're sort of you know younger generation than me. They've got this lovely, lo- they've got a lovely easy way about them. Really, you know, you just sort of think, oh, what nice guys these are when you listen to them. And, and they ask really interesting questions, and I love their. Their model, the way that they do work, and I just thought you know, it just makes you want to be. Uh, I don't want to be a part of it because I don't want to be part of a sort of collaboration or a team or anything, you know. To, but but it makes you want to be a part of it, um, and I and so I I said to Dan, he'd been on my podcast, and I dropped him a line and said, can I come on your podcast? I don't usually do things like that. I'm usually asking people if they'll come on my podcast. Um, but I thought I'd really like to be on this because they do this thing called these it the rapid fire round where they ask you these questions, and um, I listened to it and I think, oh, I'd be able to do better answers than that, and I <laughs> and was rubbish at it, but. But it was my turn. I was rubbish. It's really hard, and uh, and I couldn't think of good answers. So um, so that'll put me in my place. Um, anyhow, it's a good podcast. I, I really like the conversation. Interestingly, they talked to me about um, cryptos as well, uh, because they they've bought they had bought some cryptos in the past and were really interested in learning about it. So it actually um, covered both of the things that I'm doing on my podcasts. So really enjoyed it. There's only a little bit about uh, cryptos. Don't worry too much about it. It's it's, it's fairly painless. Um. But, um, that podcast episode will, I'll put the link on the show notes or just do a web search for Hawk and Cleaver and look for their podcast. I am going to mention this in passing. This is not going to be taken over by crypto stuff, but it is stuff as authors that we need to be aware of. Um, you are, I'll, I'll put a little link on the show notes, but you can now using a service called Coinbase very easily now take crypto payments for your books. Um, so, uh, I'm not going to put it on at the moment because, The problem with it is is that we're supposed to pay VAT on digital products. And that's why I sell through Amazon and only through outlets where they manage the VAT for you. I don't want to get too bogged down with all of this. This is VAT Moss, and it applies to us in the UK. And I think it applies throughout Europe, but certainly in the UK. And I cannot get. So the crypto payment buttons are brilliant, right? Very, very easy to do. You can accept crypto payments really easily in uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and Litecoin. So. Think of that in author terms as day one of a PayPal pay button on your website. Just think all those years back when we got the first PayPal button and how exciting that was then to be able to take electronic payments on your site. Well, this is the the sort of the blockchain, the Bitcoin equivalent of that, where somebody like you and me, who's just got a little bit of knowledge about coding, we can do a a little bit of cut and paste and have a nice button to take cryptocurrencies on our site. Now, I would be all over that just on principle if I if I didn't know about the VAT. So we're supposed to pay VAT if we make digital sales. I cannot get my head around, let me tell you. If I took a payment in Bitcoin, how the heck that works with VAT, right? I haven't got a clue. and I'm not even going to go there. So that's the only reason I won't be putting those buttons on my site for you to look at. But I have set up a little test button for you to have a look at it. Won't, if you buy it, you're wasting your money. But uh, have a press on it, have a look, and do anything but, you know, press submit, and you'll just see how it works. But you need to be aware of this stuff because this is how our world's changing, okay? I don't know how long it's going to be, but sure as hell it's coming, you will be taking crypto payments at some time for your book if you're planning on having an author, a long-term author career. So you don't have to understand it. You know what I mean? You don't have to backwards engineer it or know how it works. Just um, put it on your radar. It's just something about keeping up with the times, just keeping up with the way things are changing. Last thing to tell you this week, I think my voice will just about hold out. Um, I did do, last week, the world's crappiest book promo. It's the worst book promo in the world, completely cocked up by me. And it was my fault. So, I mean, honestly, talk about a blooming mess. And, you know, this is a consequence of having too many things on, frankly. It's my own stupid fault. As, and I'm pleased it wasn't an expensive promo because I'd just written off However much it cost me, $20, whatever it cost. Um, But I was supposed to be doing a promo on book books. I've wanted to try book books for ages. I think I messed up the pricing. I think I got the dates wrong. So I don't think they even promoted it. But let's put it this way. If they promoted it, it didn't make any sales. It was rubbish. So don't do it if if that was the case. Um, uh, But I'm not subscribed to book books because I don't want emails every day trying to flog me books for 99 cents. I get enough emails. Thank you very much. So I don't know whether the email went out. Um, and, uh, but there were no sales made, even if it did go out. Uh, but I suspect that my book was too expensive and it didn't get promo. That's why, because I messed up the Kindle countdown deal. Um, and I also thought I'd put it on Bargain Booksy. I was sure I'd sent them an application, but may- maybe they just didn't get back to me or whatever. Um, and so that didn't happen. So it was the world's biggest, uh, book promo cock up. It, it wasn't the biggest one because it, it was only, it was not a lot of dollars, but, um, it just shows you, how if you blink, you can miss it. I just took my eye off it really for a moment, and to be honest with you, that's how I feel about a lot of my book marketing. You know, I, I was thinking about it the other day. Thinking, I got so many darn books here, and I got no—you have know, no strategy with marketing these and pushing them. You know, they just sit there most of the time. Um, I, I am obviously pushing "Don't Tell Meg" the trilogy there because that's the one that's bringing the money in at the moment. Um, but but I I haven't got my eye at all on the, the sci-fi uh you know they they sell dribs and drabs but but nothing much and that's my fault because i don't do anything with them i got no plan from uh they just sit there on amazon and and i keep forgetting about them and i'm you know so to be honest with you i'm sometimes so busy doing the work i haven't got time to do the marketing and i i know this is i'm gonna have to change this at some point because i can't just i've said this before i can't you can't just keep producing um i'm very good at producing um and, and I, I i rattle out the the, the content but i I can't just keep um, knocking it out, not doing anything with it. Um, I have to come up with a a plan. And and I know I've got to stop beating myself up about it because it is all part of a plan. Phase six is going to be released on the 23rd of March. So actually take back what I said there because it is part of a plan. I have got a plan. Um, Phase six is a standalone sci-fi thriller. And I've written that specifically to bridge the worlds of the secret bunker and the grid. That's going to enable me then to market the books in ways where I can sort of maybe give away phase six for free, giveaways and things. And then I can make the grid and the secret bunker lower priced rather than free. And then I can get people sort of through those trilogies. So, you know, actually, I shouldn't, I'm beating myself up about something I shouldn't be beating myself up about. I do have a strategy. I've always had a strategy for this, but memo to self, don't just. Re- release phase six and do nothing with it you know remind yourself it is part of a strategy and when um who to trust is released on may the 3rd which is what i'm hoping to have it out by that's the culmination of the thriller strategy and i think i think what i'm saying to you there is that at the moment really i'm only focusing on don't tell meg because that's bringing money in more more money than i've earned before you know we're gonna have another good month this month with don't tell meg um you know better months than i ever had before i did that book bub um obviously not as high as the four thousand months but still these are still good good months and um so I do have a strategy a long-term strategy for marketing those books but what I mustn't do is let that slip and I am going to sort of you know've I've been on a really tight writing circle I, I banged out 4 fifty 000 word thrillers in, in in the last year alone uh is that four yeah plus Plus face six, blimey, crack, even I can't believe how many I'm banging out. Um, it's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> so at the point at which I have seven of each, then we're good to go with my marketing strategy. And at that point, um, I'm going to reconsider which ones go narrow, which ones go wide. I'm going to have a mix and that marketing compliment will allow me to say, have, you know, I could have the secret bunker go wide, the grid go narrow, the don't tell meg trilogy, uh, go narrow. The standalones go wide, so I, I've got marketing permutations. And while I'm writing the ninety thousand worder, I give myself some blessed relief for a while from this relentless cycle of writing, editing, publishing, which I've been on for the last year. You know, it'll actually almost be a blessed relief to write a ninety thousand worder because I know I know I got three months where I don't have to. I'm not editing anything. I can just write and and, and market. So I I think that I you know I will. I will do that. I need to concentrate on the marketing, uh, while I'm writing the Project Bloodhound book. And the other thing about Project Bloodhound is I specifically targeted it so that it's done by the summer holidays. I then have the six weeks of the summer holidays. I've sp- specifically timed it like this, um, to edit. So I'm not writing over the summer holidays issue. I find it harder to, to write when the family are at home over summer. Um, so I'm, I'll just be editing, which is something I can pick up and put down over the summer. And then it goes to the developmental editor on the first of September, um, you know, which is as good as after the summer holidays. So I, I am I have got time scheduled to do these things. And I must remind myself, while I'm beating myself up about you know messing up this world's crappiest book promo. I do have a game plan with this, and this was just one one tiny sort of $20 mess up. But um it's a symptom of me having too many things on. Um, you know, too too many podcast interviews, too many audio diaries, uh, too many uh, events. I've got. I, you know, I've said to you this this quarter was going to be crazy. Um, I've still got another couple of events to go. Uh, I'm, what am I doing? I I've got a couple of corporates still to come. I'm going to Crime and Publishment in Gretna. I'm going. Would you believe it? To a podcasters meetup in in Glasgow as well. <laughs> uh, I've got a I've got a business meeting in in lancaster taking my son to scotland i got another corporate training after that so um, you know and, and i'm working three days a week as well now so um, there's there is loads and loads getting done my wife said to me today i said joe i've been i've been rubbish today i've just been absolutely rubbish today and she said she keeps saying to me you get way more done than anybody on your most unproductive days and and she's right but it doesn't stop you beating yourself up about it, does it? You know, and uh, so there you go. Anyhow, I knew it was going to be a busy quarter. And I'm not moaning either, by the way, because I thoroughly enjoy every minute of it. Um, It's just a bit of a nuisance when you get a cold midway through and you can't work at your normal level of productivity. That was an extremely long way round of saying to you, I did a crap book promo last week and I need to try not to do it again. So there you go. That's this week's uh, Paul's Podcast Diary. Um, got a great interview for you. I mean, they're always good interviews, but I, you know, they're great for different reasons. And, and it's a very powerful interview coming up on Monday. Um, it's with Alison Ingleby, who, who will be absolutely sick of me because Ali and I have been recording um, these crypto podcasts. We we recorded for an hour, just over an hour, just before I recorded this. And uh, we, we've we've done... How many of those episodes have we done since Christmas? We've done loads of them because we wanted to get loads of special episodes out before we launched the podcast. And then here she is, Pearl Alley, uh, uh, being interviewed by me for this podcast. Now, Alice and I met at Manchester, Amazon Manchester last year. Um, she was a friend of Meg Cowley's, who I, I know through this podcast, and so I met her that way. We got on very well. Uh, I said oh, she was a new author. She was clearly switched on. She was listening to podcasts, doing all the right things, knew about marketing. Uh, she was So I, I like to talk to authors who are doing all the right things. And um, so I booked Alison in for a, an interview and it was, was just was just when she got the first sort of uh, developmental edit or the full edit back on her first book. And um so I wanted to catch up with her because she's published uh, a book and a prequel and she's been part of some team efforts now. What are they called? Collaborations. That's what I'm trying to say, box set collaborations. So she's got loads of experience uh, under her belt already in a very short period of time. So I wanted to do one of my catch-up interviews with her and um, it, it's not it interesting how you can talk to people and not know things about them? And I knew that Alison was struggling to get to grips with the Dragon Dictation software, but I, I didn't know why. And while we were talking, it, it turns out that she's had some really uh, quite difficult, terrible problems with RSI this year. And because the way that she's bootstrapping her writing business is, is actually to write articles for other people, it's really quite an important thing. If she can't write, it's not like a hobby it's her livelihood now and she left a job to try and make this work so there is a um, the interview is great you know there's loads of information in there about uh, new writers and things she learned and things she'd got right things she got wrong things she would do different Lo- You know, all, everything you would expect from a self-publishing journeys interview but w- when when we got to the RSI section as I wasn't aware of it at all it's very uh, very powerful very informative about rsi and rsi is one of the bogey men for me as a writer i don't have rsi i've had twinges i've you know we've all had them uh i worry most about rsi and, and back pain and being sedentary and um so it was quite a you know a, fr- a frightening and educational interview with allison so um make sure you check in for that but also if you're a new writer loads and loads and loads of tips in there really good information in there so um, that's Alison the who's going to be my guest on Monday that's going to be episode 103 can you believe of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast it goes live on Monday the 19th of February 2018 um, unless I sort of you know wake up and decide to completely shuffle everything again I have no intentions of writing next week I will be telling you about editing next week but you never know you know things are flexible But I hope that you have, if you're writing, a very productive and creative week of writing. I'll see you next Saturday. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.